Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Meanwhile, in New Jersey... So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and, oh, the practical effects. (sighs) Um, and also the male gaze? My gaze at the males... Hi-o! From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. Everybody and welcome to another episode of Horror Movie Night. This week we are talking about Dead Heat, a movie that I'm sure you think I picked, but actually it was Scott, shockingly enough. So Scott, <laughs> tell us why did you pick what is such like a Matt or Brian Kelly type pick with Dead Heat? Well, I wanted to do you guys a favor. I wanted to be nice for once and, and pick something that you would enjoy. So your Christmas gift to us was picking Dead Heat. <laughs> <laughs> Still a bit uh, sadistic, yes. Brian, we were talking a little bit while waiting for Scott to jump on, and you were a fan of this. I had a lot of fun. Yeah, I knew you would. (laughs) And Scott is all about seasonal movies, and sometimes he even subconsciously picks seasonal movies. So the fact that we were doing Dead Heat around Christmas time, when it has the father from a story about Christmas known as the Christmas story, is just... (laughs) On par for horror movie night. We're just not posers. That's the thing. You're like, oh, they dropped the ball on Friday the 13th. Us releasing an episode on Friday the 13th about Friday the 13th is like pothead smoking on 420. True ones don't care. It's just another day. It's just another day. This is the deep cuts we do for you guys. So you're welcome. Yeah, I mean, I so my memories of Deep Heat is this is the second time I've ever watched Deep it. Heat. Deep well, Heat. Matt, Jesus, <laughs> that's this the is porn not version. Natural. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, I watched the wrong movie. Matt got that confused with his other podcast, One Clip Thunder, which you can find on Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> it might have been a One Clip Thunder, though. Oh uh, shit! I watched this on FearNet. It was one of the FearNet on-demand movies when I first discovered FearNet. I think it was like the second movie I ever watched on there it was fine back then and then when scott picked it it was like well good excuses any to buy the dvd so i bought the dvd why you could have just watched on shutter 
I know, but I... That's I, where I did watched it. Brian, is that where you watched it, dude? Yeah, I watched it on Shudder. I was very pissed off before I watched it. I'm not going to lie. I was so pleasantly surprised. This looked like a Nothing But Trouble or like that Jeff Goldblum like comedy. Like That's what I thought I was getting into based on the cover. So I'm going to tell you guys that I, I pre-screened this one. Um, oh. Cause, so, yeah, surprise. So I don't remember exactly when Dead Heat... I'd never... This was my first watch. Well, this is my... First complete watch. For, yes, thank you. It hit my radar sometime within the last calendar year, maybe like January or February before lockdown. And I put it on my long list and then Shudder got it during the summer, I want to say. And I, uh, I watched the first seven or eight minutes and then you see the um biker with a troll head from Ernest scared stupid <laughs> and i thought this is absolutely horror movie night material and i turned it off and i put it on the list and then i watched it for this and boy was i happy about that <laughs> denouement of vincent price Oh, yeah. So my thing with this movie, the reason why I, it was on my like long list of like, oh, I would own that and rewatch it. But then like a decade had passed since I'd seen it. I'm like, do I want to own that? And then Scott picked it and I was like, well, something's sending me a sign. So I bought the DVD. And as soon as I hit play, that new line that the new world lo- logo comes on. And I am like immediately taken back to... Like, this is, like, one of those movies... I've said this before about a couple movies that we've watched, but, like, this makes me nostalgic for a viewing experience I didn't actually have. Like, yeah. <laughs> you, like, watch it, and you're like, I know I didn't watch this in my basement when I was 14, but I certainly feel <laughs> like I watched this in my basement when I was 14. <laughs> like, it just has that tone. <laughs> what did we record last week? No, Spookies. And you were saying, and you've said it a few times about movies. You're, you said, like... Spookies is like a, a movie that like you and your friends put on and mock. And Matt, that's not true. That's why people stop coming over. But this movie, <laughs> this like this movie and Black Rose is like these are yo put this on with a with a group of friends because it's ridiculous, but it's also fun. It's yeah. not bad. It's just it's a fun time. It's got a little bit of action, very minimal horror. It's not Dude, there's horror, a fuckload but... <laughs> of action in this. Like there are so many gunshots and so many car chases. And and that I and that's how everybody would be like, Scott picked this? Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. Well, the first like ten minutes feels like it's a trauma movie to me. Like yeah, oh, for sure. Like everything about it, between like the chase scene, the explosions, but it's all like definitely not on the biggest budget. So like <laughs> it just it has a very like trauma or canon films fo- feel to it. But I think that that's like the charm when we talk about these movies and and I was just listening to someone talk about this when they were trying to they were discussing like comparing Jaws to Sharknado essentially. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, or comparing like a Troll 2 to Sharknado where the big thing is like there is a difference between sincerity in throwing everything against the wall and like just fucking purposely being bad as insane as this entire movie is there is no doubt in my mind that they were hoping that this could maybe become a franchise one day (laughs) like it really feels like they're like all right come on like we've had lethal weapon we've had die hard we need to make the horror die hard how do we make the horror die hard and when i was doing research apparently the owner of New World approached the writer and asked him about writing a Dead Heat 
sequel. And the writer was like, but we killed everybody. And he goes, you have a regeneration machine. (laughs) (laughs) They destroyed it. (laughs) They destroyed it. There's a way. There's a way to make a sequel to this. We're never going to get it because this movie did not really blow anybody's socks off. And I feel like the film is fun for a while. But then the third act is just like, Doors thrown open, we're here. Like, the third (laughs) act in this is so fucking good. Can we talk about how ballsy it was to kill a main character off camera? Yes! (laughs) That was was such a ballsy move. (laughs) Yeah, what a horrible death. Like, hung upside down into a fish tank. (laughs) I, like, didn't think it was Doug until they said it, because I'm like, no, they would have showed it. Right, because the movie's about him. <laughs> well, and like the funniest thing was like I put in the movie, and I see the name Vincent Price in the opening credits, and I'm like, oh, I for- I forgot that Vincent Price was in this movie. And then 30 minutes later, Vincent Price shows up at the movie, and I thought, huh, I forgot that Vincent Price was in this movie. <laughs> Dude, and I don't even, I, I fast forward through opening credits constantly, and so it was a complete surprise to me that he showed up, and I was like, fuck yeah. Yeah, me too. I was like, hey, Vincent. Like we're friends. (laughs) (laughs) Until he showed up in the third act as like the big bad, I was fully convinced that they just sent a camera guy to Vincent Price's house and filmed him in his bed for like 15 minutes and (laughs) called it a day. Like I was like, that makes sense for this movie. Like they just were like, hey, we can get Vincent Price. He doesn't want to leave his bed. So he's just going to be on a videotape that (laughs) they want. Vincent Price is telling you right now. If there's ever an acting career of my life, that is my contract. Always. <laughs> you want that Brando contract where yeah. Brando's like, I'm going to show up on the set in just a moo-moo and you have to deal with it. And they're like, okay. I, but I just want to do like a remake of Casablanca. But it just cuts from like this high production value directly to me in my bedroom. <laughs> yeah. If you don't get on that plane, you're going to regret it. Maybe not today. Maybe not tomorrow. See, I got it. Call me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. But yeah, let me see. I don't have a ton of notes because I just kept getting sucked into the movie. Mm-hmm. But it is a, it's a very, very fun film. The part in this movie where I was watching it, I was like, okay, this is fun. This is enjoyable. It's like nothing too crazy. But it's, it's full of action. I got it. It's like a zombie movie, whatever. It's a zombie cop movie. Then there's the scene where they are being attacked by reanimated chickens and ducks Mm -hmm. and pigs. And I was like, this movie's amazing. (laughs) Liver to the face is what I wrote down (laughs) from that spot. Like, oh my God, that that part is just absolute magic. Worth the price of admission. And the price of admission was $0 for me because I have it on Shudder. But um, God damn, it was so fucking great. And it just felt so 80s. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know why, but this concept of a Chinese butchery with these ducks, like, hanging from the ceiling, just, I mean, it's, it's, I think it has something to do with watching a Christmas story um, because, you know, they go and they have duck on Christmas Day. And I, in my life, have probably never tasted duck. That's fine. I will never taste duck. But it definitely wasn't a part of my childhood is what I'm getting at. And watching A Christmas Story as a child is the only experience I have with the idea of a a bird with its head still attached when it's dead. That is probably why that Chinese butcher scene feels so nostalgic to me because I'm like ah yeah there we go it's like exactly the 80s it's kind of funny that like this is 1988 
And in what, like 2010, Trauma did almost the same thing with Poltergeist, and the special effects haven't changed one iota between <laughs> those two movies. <laughs> That's saying a lot less about Trauma. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know? I'm so curious to see, not to get off topic, but Sergeant Kabuki Man was on a podcast I was listening to, and they were talking about Shakespeare Shitstorm, and apparently, like fucking next level production value yeah apparently like lloyd has been working on that movie for like four years which is kind of par for the course for him but like he really i mean it's so funny that lloyd would be making what he's hoping to be his most accessible mainstream movie and he calls it shakespeare shitstorm (laughs) he just doesn't get it he doesn't get it we love him (laughs) And, and the thing about lloyd is that he's so close to stardom and he's still probably eating ramen. Yeah. You know, like here's the flip side. He's so close to stardom and he's probably eating ramen, but it's also probably him going, Man, I could really go for some ramen today. Because <laughs> like, <laughs> he is the I, hitch of uh, of movie makers. Like yeah. he can get he can get you a career. But I feel like there are so many people on food stamps that work for Troma too. Like we only know the successful ones. There's yeah. so many people on Troma that just like are living in a house with six other people just trying to pay rent. Well, and that's, but the flip side of that is like, that's most of people's LA experience. Like I kind of lucked out with the place that I stayed at, even though it was a shithole that it was like a two bedroom house being split by two people. Yeah. But like, Right down the street was one of, like, the few friends that I had, and he was living with ten other guys in a single-room condo where they all just... ten? Yeah, so literally sharing a mattress like hamsters because that way their rent was only, like, a hundred bucks a month, and they could, like, not have to work a regular job to go audition whenever they needed to audition. So, like, that's... Christ. That's some people's LA experiences. I'm glad that it wasn't mine, but mine was also nothing to write home about. So, <laughs> uh, that was also the group where the guy got really excited to get a couch off of the street uh, to put into the house, and then it was infested with bed bugs, and then they had to. Oh my god! Live in separate Dude, people's houses. LA for a couple sounds days. like a fucking horrible. It sounds like feudal Europe. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, that's also people making that choice. Like, no one was like, you have to live in a house with 10 people. They decided to live in a house with 10 people. But there was also people that, like, you know, didn't move to L.A. to be an actor and just, like, moved there to work for, like, Hulu or Netflix in their tech department. They had, like, a beautiful apartment all to themselves. So it's like, you you make your choices when you're living in L.A. That whole lifestyle is so weird to me. I'm actually blown away that there's so few Dave Chappelle's. Like, you would think there'd be so much more celebrities like Dave Chappelle, but there isn't. Like, Dave Chappelle lives in a very, very small suburb in Ohio. Like, he doesn't doesn't want any... He wants to live in a town where, like, everyone knows... He's not, like, Dave Chappelle, the celebrity. He's just another neighbor. The population is, like, 300 people. Well, that's like Wanda Sykes where we live, right? Yeah. Yeah, like, Wanda Sykes lives, like, five minutes from me. I mean, if I saw Rachel Brosnahan out, if we're talking, you know, like, megastars that are also comedians. I mean, she's also a comedian on a TV show, so it's not like she's a real comedian, but uh, you know, if if I saw Rachel Brosnahan, it would not I would not be chill. I'd be like, "Please, you know, let me leave my wife for you." <laughs> <laughs> Megan knows, Megan knows, don't worry. <laughs> I don't know how we got on this weird tangent. Oh, oh, because we were talking about the weirdness of like celebrity Roma? And, people well, living well, in LA. 
yeah, to bounce with what you said, Brian, even with like the suburb stuff is I always go to the John Waters quote, which I think is like the best quote of on that topic, which is that someone asked him why he chooses to still live in the suburbs of Baltimore when he absolutely has be- become famous enough to live in like have a nice house in Los Angeles or in New York. And his answer was that when you go to the city, it's a bunch of normal people trying to act like they're weird. But in the suburbs, it's a bunch of weird people who think that it's normal, and that's way better for my writing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing that appeases me about any city, let alone, like, Los Angeles. All right, so back to Dead Heat. So eventually we do get to the third act. Now Doug is also dead, so we've got our zombie hero. And then we get a full fucking body meltdown uh, from yeah, from so the girl good. that you think is on their side, and then she reveals that she's been sort of a traitor this whole time, and she's just like, "I'm sorry," and she like melts. <laughs> it's like a little puppet skull, <laughs> like bye, and it's it's so fucking good. Bye, it's <laughs> like, amazing. But then yeah, he goes, he tracks down Vincent Price is still alive. It's actually he got out of bed and showed up to set for a day <laughs> or two, and it's just some good ass shit. Like it's such a good. The, the big thing with this movie that I think is the deciding factor, and I will preface this by saying that I hate when people bitch about this particular topic, but the big thing that makes this movie work is that they went all in on the R rating because there is a very easy way that this could have been a PG-13 movie to like reach a wider audience, and I think that it would have lost a lot of its charm because of how over the top the sequences are. But I do want to clarify that I am also not one of those people that thinks that like, oh, if it's a PG-13 horror movie, it can't be good because there are a shit ton of PG and PG-13 horror movies that say otherwise. Yeah, but sometimes I wish that they weren't. Like I still have beef with Krampus for going the PG-13 route. Dude, don't even fucking, just save that. Oh, put a pin (laughs) in that shit. Okay. Yeah, sometimes there are PG-13 movies that you definitely wish were R-rated movies. But, like, there's also, like, I think The Final Girls is perfectly fine as it is as a PG-13 movie. There, the yeah. Scott talked about earlier with, with Gretel and Hansel. I mean, that was a perfectly fine PG-13 movie that could have been a PG movie, and it was still an effective horror film. And I don't think that it needed more gore. It was pretty gruesome without be- – I mean, it was, it was gross without being – r-rated gross you know like i just thought that like it did a i thought it was really effective and uh you know in a in another world where you know we didn't have a fucking crazy 2020 um i feel like that could have had some legs you know like it 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 got thrown in at the the worst fucking time of year that and underwater like they just got sacrificed well and, and that's what's you know, making me nervous they got tossed in the january february area that is always known as like the dumping ground for movies it's mm-hmm. like the movies that studios have no faith in so the fact that like scream 5 is coming out like january no, dude, 14th it's is scream like, sorry scream is coming out it's Jan- gonna suck dude it's I'm gonna like, fucking why? suck why you're dropping it in january that's already giving me really bad vibes on dude, all of it it's just the fucking soft reboot it's yeah. gonna suck yeah. I mean, I would, I will gladly eat my words, but I will, there's yeah, no, no way that you Look, can top Scream 4. I'm going to go see it. You ain't stopping well, course, me from seeing that well, in the theaters. But Are you going to go see it in the theaters? Yeah, for 2022. I'm, I think it's going to be oh, safe. Oh, 2022. To, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I thought it was 2021. No, 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 fucking no, no. better be safe at that point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if, it, if it ain't safe to see a movie by January 2022, you're going to have to cut me down from the fucking fan above Rafters. my bed. <laughs> but, oh, my God. But yeah, so 
Dead heat. Good shit. Good shit. Great pick, <laughs> Scott. Thanks. And then we get a body explosion at the end, just so you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a big explosion in the regeneration machine, which, here's my sequel pitch. The regeneration machine has the ability to regenerate itself. Boom. Now oh, have, genius. <laughs> now we're into the sequels. Okay, who's who's going to finance this? Probably Troma. <laughs> They'll give us 10 bucks and a sandwich. Um, so, oh, oh, there's no sandwiches involved when the trauma's involved. No, it's okay. a sandwich, but it's literally just a slice of cheese between two slices of Wonder Bread. <laughs> um, Brian's read no the book. Mayo? No Dude, mayo. Dude, do you know how expensive mayonnaise is? I know, but I could eat a cheese and mayo sandwich is all I'm saying. Dude, we've all eaten a lot of cheese and mayo sandwiches in our time. Look, we've all had a ketchup sandwich in our lives. <laughs> Matt's had one this week. My Aunt Lisa defended me when my whole family looked at me like a fucking psychopath because i was on a kick i tried to make my own lunches at like six years old seven years old and i was like you know what i like cheese and ketchup sandwiches and my father being the loving father he is says you're disgusting and i'll (laughs) never forget my aunt lisa says well it's like a cheeseburger just without the burger (laughs) very sweet thanks aunt lisa and listen flip side of that is dad has no business telling anybody that how they do things is disgusting because we're talking about a man who didn't want to have to clean a pan so started making grilled cheese sandwiches by putting two pieces of toast in a toaster and then buttering them with cheese and throwing it in the microwave for 30 seconds that is convenient i will say we were raised as freaks (laughs) (laughs) he raised us as why is that the reaction <laughs> but he did. We're fucking freaks to the rest of the world. So you don't need Delco. I think it's a Delco thing. But Matt, did you know that ketchup on eggs is repulsive? Apparently, and I never knew yeah, that. I'm I all about ketchup I don't, on eggs. I don't know, man. Like that doesn't seem that weird to me. I ate ketchup on eggs when I was a kid. Uh, I, I was much more of a salsa on eggs kind of guy personally. Mm. But ketchup and Look, salsa are basically like inbred cousins. The, yeah. the biggest one that our family does that no one else on the planet does is butter our pop tarts, which is like... oh, that's not true at all, dude. Buttered pop pop tarts was. The only way to eat pop tarts in the in the two thousands. Like, Thank you for defending everything. us. But there's a lot of Facebook polls and Instagram polls we've posted that say otherwise. Oh, listen, fuck them. They don't know. They're probably also twelve. But if you grew up in the nineties and the two thousands, if you didn't ever enjoy a buttered brown sugar, frosted brown sugar mm. and cinnamon pop tart straight out of the um, out of the uh, toaster. You didn't. You haven't lived. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Those things for me. Are it's strawberry, strawberry buttered, mm, perfection. Uh, uh, so I always st- thought the strawberry was a little too too the, much. But the strawberry yeah, was a prank that. that Matt fell for. They they <laughs> they were just like, let's make the worst pop tart. So they made strawberry, and they're like, you know what? I feel like we can make this worse. So then they came out with the non-frosted strawberry. I remember my mom brought that home. I was like, what the fuck is this? I'm five years old. Get me some fucking frosting or get out of my face, bitch. Well, for me, the big one, I, I, I'm I, sure they're not as good as I think they are, but I fell right into the wild berry trap. I was like, wild the berry. The wild berry was not. Fire. Dude, when the wild berry came out with the frosting, that had double thick frosting on it, and it was straight sugar. Yeah. The wild berry was fine. Okay. Yeah, cool. that's good. The All non-frosted right. strawberry, you are a serial killer. <laughs> no, no non-frosted <laughs> blueberry. Oh, oh yeah, what God. are you doing? Wor- and I love blueberries. Me I, too. Blueberries are some of my favorite fruit, but fake blueberry is almost as bad as fake banana flavoring. And they obviously never made it. Made a fucking banana pop tart. Thank God. But, <laughs> Unless uh, they're listening right now, and we just 
set um, them off. They're like, ooh, ooh, why did we not do that one? I am all for banana pop tarts if they try to make it. I love <laughs> banana flavored anything. Jade hates you, okay, it. Okay, now we're back. We're back to you guys being fucking. Uh, don't include me in his insanity. Banana flavored everything is terrible. There's uh, a new so- there's a new restaurant called Cineholic. It's a dessert restaurant that only makes like these like gourmet cinnabons. And I got to create my own yesterday. And I did a banana cream frosting with sliced bananas and peanut butter cups on it, and it was delicious. Meanwhile, in New Jersey. So Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and oh, the practical effects. <sighs> um, and also the male gaze. My gaze at the males. hi From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. Anyway, Scott, double feature, go. All right, so I'm 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 doing a little bit of an uh, unofficial double feature. You remember that episode in Ash vs Evil Dead season two when he has to fight the uh, the the corpses and like one of them's ass goes over his head. <laughs> That's the episode that I want to pair with Dead Heat because he's fighting inanimate objects. Nice. All right, Brian, do you actually have one or are you going to like mumble and I, try to I do. No, I do it? actually. It's a stretch, right. but whatever. This is a zombie movie, so I'm going to pair with my favorite zombie movie that's also a horror comedy, which is Shaun of the Dead and Have All a right. Delightful Night. All right, and I was going to go with something that Brian mentioned offhand. But within the first 10 minutes, I was like, man, this reminds me of Sergeant Kabuki Man, NYPD. So mm. I would double feature this with Sergeant Kabuki Man, NYPD. Nice. <laughs> uh, which is a movie that is funnier in concept than it actually is. But I do think it's one of the more accessible trauma films in the sense that they really were trying to make something that would hit and not be like an underground sensation. And it... You know, some people didn't love it because it felt like it wasn't what they wanted out of a trauma movie, but I do think it's a charming movie. It's just not, it It feels like it almost goes as far as it needs to go, but never quite does. I love when you say accessible trauma movies. It's so funny to me because they're barely there. They're barely there, but like you've, I mean, you've read his book and you've seen almost all those movies and that one really does feel like they were trying. Like they were yeah. really trying to like make a movie that actually would play in theaters. Yeah, poor guy. Scott, what is something that you watched or did this week that you would like to promote? I got two things. All right. One, I posted this on the HMN Facebook group like a month ago at this point, I want to say. But if you missed that or if you're not part of our Facebook group, uh, I really want to give a shout out to Blood Vessel, uh, which is a horror movie on Shudder. Uh, it's a Shudder exclusive, I want to say. And uh, it's it's 
killing Nazis, you know, dead mm-hmm. Nazis. One of my favorite things about 2020 is that we still get to watch Nazis get fucking murdered. And it's also got vampires, which, and it's a cool, it's a Strigoli, so it's a little bit of a different vampire lore. But I think it's a really effective, low-budget movie. It doesn't feel like a super low-budget movie to me, which is nice, because I always love movies that are scrappy like that, where it, they hide the lack of production value where they can. But yeah, uh, if you haven't watched that, I highly recommend you give it a give it a shot. And then I also wanted to say that I was on an episode of One Hit Thunder. Yeah, he was. Uh, we did Lit, my own worst enemy, oh. and that was a great conversation. I gotta say, I really enjoyed uh, talking to Chris about it, and also just kind of reminiscing about what it was like to be a quote unquote punk kid. You know, back in the 90s um, in, in high school, uh, it, I hope that Matt makes me sound not like an asshole. On I cut it. 10 uh, minutes out, so you're welcome. <laughs> Dude, we only talked for 35. No, you talked for 45. I cut it to oh, 35. <laughs> all right. Well, then you probably got all the good stuff. Uh, and I'm going to use that to bounce off because I, shortly the day after we recorded that episode, I then helped with the movie premiere live stream of the Punchline Music Special, which is now free if you have Amazon Prime. Uh, Sweet. It's 55 minutes long, so blissfully short, as I like to say. And I really did have a great time watching it. I'm not just saying that because those guys are now friends of mine. No, I mean, I'm in it in a snapshot in the closing credits. But the way that it's designed, it threw me back to watching, like, Jackass and like CKY videos. It's very important that they advertise it as a music special and not a concert. Uh, it definitely uses footage from the concert that they recorded that I went to, but intersped through it is like animated segments that they did and like little weird skits and like clips of them playing rock, paper, scissors to determine who has to sleep with each other in the hotel room and like all. Oh, like, they're that kind of band. Yeah. I didn't realize that they were swingers. Yeah. So it's like a <laughs> bunch of like goofy, weird shit, but like it just feels, I, I told Chris, it felt like the most wholesome CKY video I've ever watched. Like, <laughs> like instead of like pushing someone in a shopping cart down a hill they're forcing Chris to eat his first ever peach. Like, it's just like weird little wholesome shit like that. All right, Brian. I got nothing, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> you I, son of a bitch. But it's okay I, because he was very involved in this episode. He's yeah, been very, I worked. He's a good, he's a good boy. Um, <laughs> I'm taking my job seriously now. And That's uh, true. It's, it's all I have time for is movies. I could talk about Dead Heat. I watched that this week. <laughs> um, All right, fair enough. Oh, you know what? This will come out just in time. So you won't see Brian on it, but you will see a little bit of Scott and I. Uh, We're still working out the details at the time that we're recording this, but on December 12th, Geekscape is going to do, similar to what we did for Halloween, a live stream on YouTube and Facebook. So if you are just sitting at home on a Saturday, December 12th, with nothing to do, hop on there. We're going to be raising money for a charity. I still haven't gotten the official thumbs up from the charity yet, which is why I'm not saying it at this time, but uh, it's going to be literally every single show on the Geekscape Network has a different segment that they're doing, uh, and we are going to be hosting a roundtable discussion about holiday horrors. Uh, We're still working on the guest list for that, but I know for a fact that Joshua Napier will be one of the people joining us. Uh, As far as Brian, he will hopefully be doing a couple little like 15 to 30 second video transitional clips 
in the way that he edits. Uh, so that should all be a very fun time. Yeah, yeah. I got some stuff coming your way I think you guys will like. So. I'm excited. Now, that was Dead Heat. Uh, as released in 1988 and picked by Scott. Now, I think you may be under the impression that we've seen as many 3D horror movies as we could possibly want to talk about. (laughs) But boy, you'd be wrong, because Brian had us watch another 3D horror movie, and it may be the worst usage of 3D I've ever seen. So tune in and find out. Meanwhile, in New Jersey... So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil in horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and, oh, the practical effects. (sighs) Um, and also the male gaze? My gaze at the males... From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.